Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. We're interrupting season three to bring you two special episodes as we're living in the midst of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, We're coming to you today from, well, we're coming to you today from home, which is where uh, all of us uh, are at this point with stay-at-home orders. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan the Church Multiplication Director for Eastern PA Alliance and the Regional Coordinator for Church Planning in the Northeastern U.S. And we're pleased to welcome our new Equipping You podcast producer, Caitlin, the Laugh Track Guyberson. (laughs) I should have given you a more hearty laugh there. The one time I choose not to, and uh, I just, I've lost that title. You should just strip it from me. (laughs) No, you'll you'll re-earn it. We're a little more... uh, we're a little more uh, sober today in the midst of this uh, pandemic, and we're all experiencing something we've never experienced in our lifetimes, under stay-at-home orders and churches not being able to meet on site. And uh, we're actually supposed to be recording 10 episodes of season four uh, today and tomorrow, but uh, couldn't do that because we're all at home and our equipment, uh, our best equipment is at the national office. So we're using alternate equipment today to record a couple of special episodes. Hope it'll work well, but if the uh, audio quality is a little less than uh, great, uh, please be understanding uh, with us. So Alan, uh, how's life different for you right now? What what kind of things are you doing? What kind of things are you feeling? (laughs) I think I'm like a lot of other people in the sense that I keep thinking, well, things are different, so they should probably slow down. But I feel like uh, I'm still reacting more than proacting and, uh, and still unsettled and trying to figure out because it's like a new change is announced every day. Uh, so in some ways, I guess I'm doing okay. In other ways, I'm just like, yeah, I wish I could be doing a little bit better in adjusting. My prayer is that not only for me, but also the pastors that we serve, that we can develop some new routines and rhythms since it appears it's going to be just a little bit longer yet. Yeah. Caitlin, how are you processing and how are you doing during this time? Yeah, I started off, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like I can, you know, recreate routines and create new disciplines and try new things because I have all of this time. And that was super fun until it wasn't fun anymore. Right. And the reality of the situation and the, the depth of it and the heaviness of it hit. And every day is different. Some days I wake up and it's a great day. And other days I wake up and I'm like, this isn't such a great day. And I've uh, just kind of had to give myself the freedom to take each day with what it was. And thinking about the scripture of your, ner- your mercies are new every morning. and not to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has worries of its own and saying, okay, I'm going to be present today and I will wait to be present until tomorrow actually shows up for tomorrow. That's right. Good word. Yeah. uh, Working from home will be easy, they said. And uh, I think most (laughs) of us are not finding that to be true. 
uh, we're in uh, hundreds of Zoom meetings, seems like hundreds of Zoom meetings and phone calls, email volume is uh, up. Then there's this cloud of uncertainty that just kind of hangs over us right now. How long will this go on? How bad will it be? When will we be back to normal? Will we ever be back to what we've known as normal? So uh, all of us are processing lots of things uh, today. And I think our guest uh, today will help us do that even a little bit more. Uh, we're happy to uh, have as our guest today, Rich Velotis, who's the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship in uh, Queens, New York. And uh, Alan, tell us uh, kind of uh, what our guest is uh, known for. Well, uh, you know, leading, being a lead pastor at New Life Fellowship is, uh, that's the beginning of the emotionally healthy spirituality movement. Uh, but also, Rich is a, a dynamic communicator. Uh, he has a heart for spiritual formation and for justice issues. And uh, quite honestly, I started following his social media. I've had and uh, and interacted with him a little bit through that, and it's been really encouraging for me to have for his insights and uh, and the fact that he's located in Queens, uh, right at the epicenter of the Corona pandemic in America, uh, in the U.S. I think that uniquely qualifies him to um, really. Nobody's probably wrestling with it more than in terms of ministry sake than a pastor in Queens. True. Uh, so I, that, I think I'm just super excited for what he has to share with us. Yeah, me too. So uh, equipping you podcast listeners, grab your favorite flavor of LaCroix and uh, find the most comfortable chair in your house. Sit back, relax. Here we go. Well, it's our pleasure to welcome Rich Velotis to Equipping You Podcast. Rich, thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, we've actually been planning this interview for several weeks, not knowing that we are going to end up in the midst of the uh, coronavirus and that you would be right in the epicenter of it all. Uh, Rich, uh, there in uh, Queens, New York. So give us an idea of what life is like there uh, right at this moment. In Queens, it's a bit surreal. And just to give you the scope of Queens for those who might be unfamiliar with um, Queens specifically, if the various, if the five boroughs were taken as independent cities, um, Queens would be uh, the fourth or fifth most populated city in this country. Wow. There are 2.2 million people who live in Queens. And uh, Brooklyn would be a little ahead of it. Uh, Brooklyn has 2.5 million people. Uh, but that just gives you, in terms of the scope of what we're talking about when we say Queens, 2.2 right. million people. And uh, I live one block away from Queens Boulevard, which is one of the most um, uh, high traffic volume places just in New York City. And to just drive down Queens Boulevard at this point is just empty, no traffic. So it's a bit surreal. Restaurants are closed. Uh, some restaurants that are typically open are out of uh, inventory. So there's a lot of closed buildings and restaurants and small businesses. And so it's all just a bit a bit surreal on so many levels. And you're really close to uh, Elmhurst Hospital, I understand, which is kind of the hospital that's taken the brunt of uh, this uh, pandemic. Yeah, if New York City is the epicenter uh, of the pandemic, Elmhurst Hospital is the epicenter of the epicenter. 
And so um, we are in uh, just two miles from where I live. One mile from our church is Elmhurst Hospital. And um, the challenge with the neighborhood in Elmhurst is, and it's being particularly impacted because it has a deceptive kind of poverty. Uh, what I mean by that is you're not going to see abandoned buildings and boarded up homes and such, open violence in the street. You're not going to see that kind of poverty. But what uh, it's a, it, a inconspicuous po- a poverty in that uh, we have multiple families living in one home, uh, and so immigrant families. And so the idea of social distancing is not even a possibility for many families because you have multiple families, in some cases, living in one home. And so as a result, Elmhurst has been significantly impacted and um, it, it's been terrible to see. So you're leading uh, New Life Center, uh, New Life Fellowship, sorry about that. And I'm just curious, um, you know, God has put people into place for such a time as this. How did you end up being the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship to begin with? Yeah, I got to New Life in 2008. And I was a college young adult pastor at a megachurch in Brooklyn for about four years and sensed that God was calling me to a different church tradition, if you will, a church that emphasized different things. And so I had read Pete Cazero's book, Emotionally Healthy Church and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and was really uh, impacted by those books and didn't realize that he was just... 20 minutes from my home in Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn, New Life is in Queens. And so I found out about it, did some research. And at the time I was doing research, I was invited by one of their pastors to have uh, lunch together just to connect. And by the end of our two hour meeting, he asked, hey, would you be interested in applying for a position at our church? Well, I wasn't expecting the conversation to go down that road, but um, I was very much open to it. And I'd say uh, I, by, by my third year into it, I got news that Pete was going to be transitioning out of his role, and he wanted to um, get me in a succession process. And the entire succession process was four years in the making. And so they invited me in about year two and a half, year one and a half to two. And uh, behind the scenes, started officially leading staff meetings And then uh, about 15 months before the actual transition, they asked if I would be willing to to do it. I said, yes, we announced it to the congregation. And so um, it was not what I was expecting. I I went there because I wanted to learn under Pete. And even though Pete's still there, I was not anticipating succeeding him. But yeah, God's ways are not our ways. And it's been seven years now. I've been in this position and the church is still there. So (laughs) that's good news. (laughs) So uh, Rich, in this season of coronavirus, creativity required in how we're doing a lot of things as the church. And uh, among those is how we shepherd, how we're shepherding our people. So I wonder if you could share a little bit about how your leaders are ministering to people in your church uh, during this season. Our leaders have been fantastic. Now, our in terms of our church approach, our strategy, how we do discipleship, we have obviously our Sunday morning gatherings and people gather for worship and to uh, receive the bread and the cup and to hear a sermon and all that. But um, we have many different small groups that meet throughout New York City. 
And so in a given month, we'll have anywhere between 50 to 80 small groups meeting uh, throughout the city. And so because of that decentralized uh, model of ministry, uh, people have been able to maintain connection very quickly. And so by the time our pastoral team got a document together about, hey, maybe we should con- uh, consider Zoom small group meetings. We found out that a good portion of our leaders were already moving in that direction without us. <laughs> Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> which is the best news in the world for a pastor. It is. To find it out um, that, hey, we've been doing that already. Before your official document came <laughs> down, we were meeting. And so our church has been, um, our leaders have been phenomenal in that. I think um, serendipitously, we created this, uh, a deacon ministry earlier this year. And we've never had a deacon's ministry, but we saw that there were so many people who had pastoral gifts wow. and gifts to help people in practical ways. And so we set in about 20 deacons, not knowing that this was going to be a season that they were going to be released. There was an immediacy to their to the need for this uh, for their uh, support and leadership and pastoral guidance. And so we've had deacons come along, making phone calls, calling people, praying with folks. Uh, and so beyond just the small groups and deacons stepping into their role, our you know Sunday programming team, uh, you know serving people via our our Sunday services. So I mean I've just been much more than pleased to see the ways that our pastors and our non-staff leaders have stepped into serving others during this time. So taking that small group or cell cell group approach. Uh, over a long period of time really set you in a place to be ready to serve uh, your people in this kind of a setting? In many ways, it was seamless because folks were, there was already established relationship. You know, our church, uh, to give some perspective, our church is anywhere between, depending on if everyone comes to church on the same day, but anywhere between those 1,700, 2,000 people at our congregation I'd say a good 60% of people are involved in small groups uh, and then other folks involved in different ways, not traditional small groups. So uh, by God's grace and by the strong leadership of some of our folks, it's been just a wonderful, seamless transition into the chaotic time that we live in here. So uh, that kind of gets at how the church is uh, caring for its members, but uh, of course we're also responsible for our parish, a community that surrounds us. So uh, how's your church helping your local community during this time, Rich? In a similar way, and I can't take credit for anything here because this stuff has been happening way before I got to New Life. And so I like to say, hey, my, my shadow side, my ego would like to say, this is what's happened under my leadership. But this stuff has been happening way before I got here. And so it's been seamless. So we have a community development corporation and part of that CDC, it's a separate part, a separate 501c3 with nine different programs to serve the community. And so programs like a food and clothing distribution, a health center that offers free medical care to people in the neighborhood, after school programming, teaching teenagers how to be community organizers. We have nine different programs like that. Most of those programs have had to shut down but the health center has remained open. And what we do in the health center, uh, over the years, we have served many uh, homeless men and day laborers 
who live in our neighborhood, who need food, who need showers, who need uh, just a medical checkup. And so we've been able to uh, continue to serve that population of people uh, who've been coming to our church for many years. Uh, And so that's one of the things that we've been doing uh, in our congregation. We are in the process right now of figuring out how to continue food distribution uh, to people. Again, Queens has a deceptive poverty. And, uh, and so we want to be creative about how to put food in the hands of people who desperately need it. And so we just had a big meeting last week about different ways that we can accomplish that. And seeing that this um, pandemic and this social distancing is probably going to last another couple of months, maybe beyond that, uh, we're trying to think for the long haul, how do we serve people in this way? Uh, lastly, um, we uh, or two other things, we, we, are, we created a kind of COVID-19 relief fund to serve not just people in our congregation, but also to allocate resources to serve medical personnel at Elmhurst Hospital. Uh, and so we're, we're figuring out ways to collaborate with Elmhurst uh, what it looks like to open up our building potentially for medical personnel who need to rest. And so we're, we're trying to use our building. We're trying to partner with local businesses, uh, restaurants to provide food for medical staff at Elmhurst Hospital. Uh, those are some of the things that uh, we're in the process of participating in to, to serve the community around us. That's great, really. So you're leading the church that is known for uh, beginning the whole emotional, healthy spirituality uh, movement. I understand you're also close to releasing a book on the subject of spiritual formation. So I wonder uh, what you're doing to stay emotionally and spiritually healthy uh, through this time. Well, let me just first say it is not easy. Uh, And uh, to give some context, I have a 10-year-old daughter, a five-year-old son. And so overnight, we started a a homeschool academy. Uh, And I happen to be the the cook, the the assistant dean, the security guard. I mean, so I'm doing a lot here with with our family. And my wife is the one who's really running the show. Um, But I'm the one who's trying to support her in it. So all that to say, it has not been the easiest transition. I find myself often uh, very distracted. I find myself often... Uh, inundated by what's happening in the news. And and so I want to be informed. And I recognize that my need to be informed often gets overwhelmed by uh, the news and the information so that I am actually now transformed by the news in a negative way. And so one of the things that I've attempted to do is to create rhythms of prayer to keep, to maintain some kind of spiritual and emotional sanity what I did was um, I, I started a midday prayer on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, it's about a 20-minute time of prayer. And I'm deeply shaped by the monastic tradition that has fixed hours of prayer. And I think there's something about that fixed hour that when you hold on to it, especially with the community, it, it strengthens you. And so I've been able to pray with uh, numerous people from our congregation and outside via just Instagram Live and Facebook Live. That has been a significant part of just my own rootedness and stability. Uh, Beyond just practices, though, in a practice like that, I've had to just learn how to be very gentle with myself. 
and offer myself a lot of grace. And um, I can very easily offer grace to a lot of people. I often find it difficult to offer grace to myself. And so I've had to learn to appropriate grace for myself, which often means being able to nap when I need to nap, um, watching a movie when I need to watch a movie, in the middle of conversations with congregants, or uh, this past week, five people died who are related to congregants this past week. Wow. And so I'm on, the, I'm on the phone with a lot of people, just praying with them. That gets very overwhelming. And so I think what I've learned from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and what I'm trying to do, the book I'm writing is called The Deeply Formed Life. What I'm trying to do is what are the essential practices that help me stay present to God, present to myself, and present to others? And, and a given day looks different, but that's kind of the framework of how I'm trying to live out my life following Jesus during this time. Very helpful. Thanks. So uh, pastors who are listening to this, true for lay leaders who are listening to this as well, have had their routines and rhythms totally interrupted. They're doing the things that they usually do in different ways. You know, like you, they're uh, trying to lead a church while they're running a homeschool and who knows what else. <laughs> and uh, how can they be attentive to what's going on in their hearts and souls during this time? Yeah, you know, I, I think of a couple of things. Um, so I, I think there's some individual practices and there, there, there's some communal structures that are required to remain rooted and connected. Um, by the individual practices, I think in a given day, some of the contemplative practices that the church has known for hundreds of years, like the prayer of the examine, um, of rehearsing our day in the presence of God, can go a long way. Uh, at New Life, we teach a skill called Explore the Iceberg, which is a simple tool to help people navigate what's happening beneath the surface in four simple questions. What are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? What are you glad about? And it's amazing how those four elementary questions can really help someone dig deep beneath the surface of our lives. And so I think staying emotionally connected to ourselves is really important. Those have been some tools that we've used. But I do think there's a communal aspect to it that we desperately need. Last year, for over a year, I've connected with three other lead pastors throughout this country for a 90-minute call once a month. And it is in that 90-minute um, call with three other friends that we're talking about the joys of pastoring and ministry, the challenges, the temptations, the failures. And there's been something really beautiful, even in this time, I just had that connection with those guys last Wednesday for about an hour and a half. And I just found it to be so nurturing for my soul. And so I think every pastor needs those individual practices, but those communal structures and relationships are really important as well to maintain some kind of sanity in what is a often dizzying and unpredictable uh, season that we're in. So those are a couple of ways that I, I think pastors can remain rooted in a time where everything is seems to be uprooted. So yeah, those are that's what comes yeah. to mind. I love the four questions, you know, for some self-introspection. Yeah. Hit me with those again. Yeah, well, what are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? 
And then what are you glad about? And it's very easy to focus on the mad, sad, and anxious, but I think there are also gifts during this time mm-hmm. that God is um, holding out to us that need to be called to mind as well. And I also appreciate in what you're saying, uh, social distancing is important in this uh, era that we're walking through right now, but not social disconnection. Yeah. So it's important that we stay connected to other people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... I'm just curious here, uh, and when you're thinking about this time and what we're learning from this time, if you were to guess, what do you think some new ways of ministry that will emerge from this time that will stick with us? On one level, there is something to say about um, leveraging technology in this way. I think depending on who you talk to in the church, some have been anti-technology, some have leaned on it. Uh, perhaps way too heavily. I think we're going to find some greater congruence and balance and synergy between embodied life as well as virtual ministry life. And I think that's a good thing. I I think there's some folks who who think when all this is said and done, we will return to a kind of embodied way of being together and people are going to be so happy to that we are back together, that the Zoom calls will never have make another Zoom call again for you know, whatever. And, um, and I don't think that's true. And on the other end of the spectrum, some folks have been so fixated on now the technological aspect of it. I think there needs to be uh, a holding on to of the both uh, because what we're finding is, I mean, in, our, in my context, I have people now who are, relatives who are friends who would never go to church and i've invited them uh year after year but because they're in the privacy of their own home they are very willing and open to exploring something online and i think there's something there that we need to continue to leverage i think the ministry opportunity also just online i i've been reading articles about how difficult life is going to be post-COVID-19. And I do think there's going to be a kind of collective PTSD that uh, we're all going to have to wrestle with. And by that, I mean, we're going to have to learn how to be together again. And this is not just in arenas and in concerts, obviously in our context here, is going to have to do with worshiping together in church. And so I think um, what's happening in our context, we have people who are going to Uh, explore leadership in this kind of setting like we're talking right now over Zoom that is easier or much more accessible than opening their home and starting something that they've never tried before. And so I think what this is giving us is some, some room for experimentation. And I think that collective experimentation leads to, I think, some important creativity for the sake of connecting people. And my hope is I want people to be involved. I want people in face-to-face, hugging in close proximity to each other. And I think technology shouldn't be a replacement. Uh, It should be an important resource that we leverage. But I I do think the way that we interface with technology is going to continue to change, I think, in a good way in the future. Rich, I'd be interested in knowing you were talking about kind of having an additional audience in your Sunday morning ministry, 
did you just keep going on the same series you were preaching on? Did you change it up? Are you preaching in any different way as a result of, of this situation? Yeah, in terms of content, we, we were in a series on humility during the Lenten season. And when all of this came about, I felt that I had to uh, shift. And so I, I ended up giving two pastoral kind of sermons about how do we respond as a congregation. And um, I preached one out of uh, the um, Gospel of Mark where Jesus is calming the storm. Uh, and that was just an important, you know, Jesus is a non-anxious presence calming the storm. And uh, last, uh, just uh, this on Palm Sunday, we gave kind of a traditional Palm Sunday sermon with application for the particular moment that we're in. And so we were very late in the process the humility series was coming to an end because we are, we, we go by the church calendar for a few things. And so we, we adjusted for after Easter, I plan on still addressing the moment that we're in. At this point, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe on a preaching from maybe Philippians, an epistle of Paul, where Paul is socially distanced, writing from prison. And in Philippians 1.8, he talks about how he longs for to be with them. And it's a wonderful pastoral letter of Paul longing for embodied presence. And in the, as he's waiting to be reunited with them, he writes about joy in a very difficult circumstance. And so I'm thinking about going in that direction. Uh, and in terms of preaching, it's been very difficult. I don't want to say difficult. It's been very different because we've had the privilege of uh, having live stream from our church building. In New York City, not everyone has that privilege because real estate is so expensive here. Many churches have to rent a facility or school or something along those lines. So we've recorded our services. We've gone live every Sunday at 1030. So it's just interesting to preach to a camera and um, not get any amens and, uh, and all that there, which uh, on some level, because I've been, preach I've been preaching about 21 years, you know, I preach to the shampoo, so the shampoo doesn't uh, <laughs> make me bad. So I'm, I'm accustomed to not getting amens, but there is something different about being in a room. And so I've had to now preach to the camera, knowing that whoever's sitting on that couch or watching me from the kitchen that they need the same energy that I give. And so that's been a learning curve for me to give that same kind of energy and passion and heart, uh, knowing that whether I can hear amens or not, um, people are going to need a word of encouragement and hope from God. Good stuff, uh, Rich. Really appreciate it. That is it. good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. So thanks for taking the time to be with us today. We know you're busy. A little, little bit of a crazy period of life, and uh, we appreciate you taking a slice out of your time to help equip uh, Alliance pastors and leaders uh, across the U.S. We would love to pray for you as this uh, podcast uh, yeah. comes to an end, and so uh, let, let me pray for you as you're there at the epicenter. Thank you. Lord, thanks for Rich. Thanks for his heart. Lord, thanks that he has grown deep roots in you and that you are providing living water for him through those roots. I pray your blessing on him as he leads and shepherds his congregation and, and, on, your, and on the cell group, small group leaders as they're ministering and serving to their particular group. And as together, they're seeking to reach out <clears throat> to the city in this time of fear, uncertainty, 
uh, perhaps hopelessness for some. Lord, we pray that the light would shine brightly into the darkness mm. and that this would be an opportunity, Lord, of great spiritual harvest. Mm. So bless Rich and the ministry of New Life Fellowship. And we're so thankful for the fact that you're still on your throne. You're still building your church. You're still working in people's lives. And uh, we look to you and trust you in these days, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks so much. Thanks Rich. so much. Yes, Thanks Rich. Thank you, you so much friend. for joining us. Absolutely. Well, for those of you who thought Alan resigned and walked out of the studio during that session, <laughs> he was actually having uh, technical problems. We've all been there in the last few weeks. You know, you're trying to talk and you got your mute button on, or that wasn't my problem. That I know, problem. I know. But this program, wrestling with that program, and et cetera, et cetera. But. He was with us and heard the whole thing, just didn't get to speak as much as he might have uh, wanted to. What'd you hear from Rich that you really liked, uh, Alan? Well, wh honestly, I, I did appreciate the updates uh, of being at the epicenter, but I think what I appreciated most is actually what I expected. Some good, calm thinking and heartfelt discussion about paying attention to what's going on inside us while everything outside us is swirling. And I knew that Rich would bring some good stuff for that, for pastors leading and even growing through this time. Yeah. Well, for sure, we're not going to be able to shepherd our church well. We're not going to be able to reach out to our community well unless we say, stay uh, emotionally and spiritually healthy through this time. So pay attention to and mind what's going on uh, inside of our hearts and souls is vitally important at this time. Seems like a good uh, podcast episode to share as quickly as possible. Alan, don't you believe? 100%. So please pass it around on social media, text the link to your friend, uh, whatever the case. We really did these episodes after, you know, having to postpone the rest of season four. We wanted to interrupt season three, so we'd be timely and helpful. So please share it far and wide. Yes, do. And um, we pray that your soul will be healthy during these days, that you'll be able to shepherd well, lead well, reach out well. We're really glad to have you listening and hope you find it helpful, especially hope you found today's episode helpful. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Equipping You Podcast. Keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You Podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.